Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS Radio. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and today we're turning to the important subject of research. And there's only one person that I can invite on to talk about that important subject of research. It's that important and busy guy, Dave Page. Dave, welcome. If there's only one person who can talk about research, research is really, truly screwed for a very long time. You see, you fell into my trap, Dave, because immediately you're talking about the importance of research, and it's not just a game for just you, and that's one of the reasons why we want to have you on to talk about it today. And so let's assume, let's let's start off with the sort of 101 entry-level research. Now, I remember back 10 years ago, possibly, going to uh, Expo and seeing all those amazing poster boards that were empty. And you, now yeah, we, you walked and, right by them thinking, oh, man. Yeah, thinking, oh, interesting, there's nothing going on here. We don't, <laughs> we don't do a lot of this. And obviously, you brought this, you know, certainly brought this in. And now we have a lot of amazing researchers doing very, very important, um, I don't know, I get a dollar for every time I say research, but doing a lot of important <laughs> research, right? Um, but going back to 101, give us the backstory. I'm all about the backstories, right, of uh, – why we weren't doing research, how you were certainly instrumental in getting and kicking it off with the various organizations you're working for, and, you know, to the point of where are we today? Sure. Well, um, I was, uh, I guess, cut from the same cloth or born from the, you know, or fell from the same tree or uh, or followed uh, the uh, great workings of Dr. Baxter Larman, who was a great mentor, uh, and uh, taught me that research is really what we do when we don't know what we're doing. And so everyone should be doing research. Anyone and everyone in EMS is capable of it. And uh, we should be using science to advance EMS. So uh, the concept here is to, uh, with the Preaspital Care Research Forum, assist, uh, recognize, disseminate, pre-hospital care research conducted at all provider levels. And um, we we want people to really feel like it's as easy as picking up the phone and, and calling a mentor. We have mentors standing by. Operators are ready to take your call if you're interested in using data and science to actually answer a question instead of just guessing from the seat of our pants like we normally do in EMS anyway. So I became interested in it because uh, Dr. Larman was running these these workshops and I wondered what in the world were all these posters and what is this mumbo jumbo anyway? So you don't need to have a pocket protector, no, um, no microscope required and uh, no no uh, uh, Mr. Science uh, lab rat experiments here. It's all about trying to find the best way to get better outcomes for our patients, better care for our our providers, um, a better EMS system uh, for the world. Then that is what it's all about. So I'm just going to throw one at you that, uh, you know, perhaps the old school and, uh, you know, we, we can always tell who the old school folk are. We'll tell you this just because tradition always done it that way or my gut reaction says, why should we not subscribe to those theories anymore, Dave? <laughs> well, uh, 
what do they say about uh, tradition unimpeded by uh, by progress? Um, I uh, can't list the number of things that I was doing in 1984 when I first started, uh, and uh, that didn't work, right? Uh, I remember uh, we started an IV, gave two amps of bicarb before even uh, starting compressions on cardiac arrest. Now compressions are, are absolute you know, necessities and essential. And, and we've learned that uh, not everybody gets a blast of oxygen and uh, people shouldn't all be on backboards. And little things like microbes can actually hurt you. I, I, I wasn't wearing gloves when I started in this business uh, because we nobody was wearing gloves. And now we know that a simple cough uh, can uh, actually uh, transmit a deadly virus. So we learn as we evolve. I think that's the beauty of being human and um, using our, our brains. And EMS is evolving and we should evolve with the science. Here's, here's some practical examples. I, I was just uh, doing a talk about how to translate research into, into practice. We know that there's great inequities of care. We've done a bunch of studies to show that, uh, for example, kids uh, get uh, less pain meds. Well, in Australia, they use Penthrox, a, a, an inhaler that looks like a pen, uh, where they just the child can just simply suck on the inhaler and get some pain medication. No needles, uh, no big hissing of oxygen bottles, uh, nothing, nothing scary, and uh, uh, the child gets uh, gets the benefit of a medication. Um, David Wampler from from uh, San Antonio, Utesca, University of Texas, he, he we gave him a best research award one year because he showed that waving four alcohol prep pads underneath the nose of a patient who's about to vomit is just as efficient as uh, Zofran. So, uh, you know, there are simple things that science teaches us that we can kind of go, oh, well, well, I can quickly grab an alcohol prep versus start, you know, giving a medication. And if I'm an EMT, I can do the same. So uh, we, we uh, I think, are reassured by a bunch of uh, uh, convenient or inconvenient uh, truth or lies depending on who you ask and, and trying to figure out what's truth these days is actually really interesting. Um, but sometimes we need the data. We need the, we need a, a rigorous scientific approach to really figuring it out so that we don't keep making mistakes that are going to hurt us. Uh, uh, per mile driven, the emergency vehicle is the least safe vehicle on the road today. And Lights and siren uh, would be one of those in, uh, convenient love love affairs with our business, but yet uh, actually, how much does it really save lives? Maybe, maybe it doesn't, um, except for maybe tiny little circumstances. So uh, we we have to learn from uh, our mistakes. We have to do better about uh, documenting them, but uh, truly practice um, based on evidence. So so we need to drive evidence-based practice. But Dave, we don't need to be a you. We don't need to be a data scientist. And there's some amazing folk out there now doing some great stuff. And let's drop some names, right? Let's talk about Ramley Crow. Let's talk about oh, uh, Ginny, uh, Ginny Renkiewicz. So uh, yes. what, what a superstar. Let's talk about oh. Catherine Katz. There, and there's many, many more out there doing this stuff. Yes. But uh, yes. if you're listening on the truck, if you're listening at the station, listening in the house, 
we don't need to be you guys to do this. We just need to get started. So how do we get started? Well, this is the easiest thing in the world. You just need to be curious. And I think EMS folk are curious by nature. So one way to do that is to participate in a research workshop. Uh, The Pre-Hospital Care Research Forum, or PCRF, has free workshops. And in fact, we have one coming up here in May with ESO, which is uh, full, and a new next one in September. And uh, you can apply to participate in just a three-day conference slash workshop and we kind of do it like speed dating. You come in with absolutely nothing and you go from idea to a finished project and abstract. And the deadline to apply to the September workshop is June 16th. So that's one way. Another way is to get involved with uh, one of our mentors who can help design a project. Maybe you're doing some quality improvement and are tracking some data in your own uh, environment. And you can formally look into that and create a research project with just the information that you have in your local service, as well as uh, just connecting with some of the people doing research in your area and uh, we would be happy to make those connections or, or as I said, have a mentor help make those connections. So, uh, easiest way is simply to begin to read some of the research. In, um, uh, in the simplest way, EMS World has a column that Michael Caduce and uh, Tony Fernandez have been authoring that reviews one project, one clinical project each month. So just reading the column would be one way to begin to dip your toe into it. And we offer journal clubs. Journal clubs are a way for us to get together online and discuss what research has been published and learn about whether the research was good or bad or whether it was well done and what does it tell us and what, what, how would it change our practice. And those journal clubs are every second Monday of the month. That's uh, the clinical work, uh, journal club. And uh, for educational research, that's research that's really about how to teach. Those are on the fourth uh, Friday of every month. Now, you don't have to remember this. Uh, you can just go to prehospitalcare.org uh, and, uh, and connect to us. And then you can uh, also view the archived versions of those on YouTube. So pretty easy to loop in and, and at least start to listen to how people uh, analyze and discuss the research and then participate in creating research if you uh, so choose as well. That was a ton of references there, and uh, as always, we'll place them in the show notes so you can just click down and uh, and visit that. Before we go any further, Dave, we're just going to take a quick break. Hey, I'm Makara Trusty. I am not only an NAEMT member, I'm also a, a member of the Lighthouse Leadership Committee. NAEMT, with support from FirstNet, built with AT&T, has developed a course to assist EMS agencies in building and supporting the mental health resilience of their personnel. The Mental Health Resilience Officer, or MHRO, course prepares EMS personnel to serve as their agency's mental health resilience officer. In this role, 
the MHRO will engage with peers to develop an understanding of mental health issues and resilience, identify peers who are experiencing mental health stressors and crises, navigate peers in need to the right services for help, and support the development of a culture of mental health resilience and emotional wellness within the agency. Available online and in a classroom format. And when your agency signs up for NAEMT membership, they will receive free access to this critically important course. For more details, contact membership at naemt.org or follow the links in the show notes. Thank you for that. Uh, don't forget, NAMT Radio is available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, to name but a few, we're on Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, and even on iHeartRadio. Did you know that, Dave? We're on iHeartRadio. I have no idea. If you're enjoying the show, just take a moment to rate and review us on the platform that you're listening to us on. Also, if you've got that little plus sign in your phone on the podcast, hit that plus sign because what it does is it subscribes you. And so every time a new episode comes out, you get a little message saying, ding, here we are. So make sure you subscribe as well. Don't forget, if you have a comment, get in touch on email at naemtradio at naemt.org. Yes, you can even write in to the show with a question for me or indeed Dave or any of the other guests we've had on. And of course, every resource you could possibly want is at naemt.org. Org. That was a mouthful, and now I'm going to revert back to uh, my amazing guest, my good friend, our good friend, uh, David Page. Dave, I mean, you started life as the jobbing paramedic. How did you get into all this? You know, I, I really uh, love the street. I still work the street, and uh, uh, if my body could hold up, I probably would do it until I was 75 or 80 or longer, if I could. I uh, really began reading article after article in some of our trade journals and became curious about exactly how it was that one person's opinion or another person's opinion was more or less valid and looked to try to find sources of primary data, science, uh, evidence that would point to maybe how to advance our profession. And... um, yeah, I, I uh, had the benefit of Dr. Larman. So Bax, for those of you that know him, uh, incredible person, uh, really making many resources available to me. And uh, also just the simple, curious, we were implementing, let's see, endotracheal intubation. And I had no idea uh, what to do or how to do it and began turning to in those times, a library, I know this is a concept, you go to the library, you look through catalog cards. I, I, you know, People listening to this in this era are going to go, what are catalog cards? Uh, and having a librarian actually help, uh, help kind of look through and find uh, the best articles that were in peer-reviewed journals versus the stuff that I had available to me, which was wonderful, but not necessarily very rigorous. And uh, it was really um, just a kind of curiosity that that killed the cat. Well, we're glad that uh, that cat is deceased, and here you are now. So that's uh, <laughs> that's that that's pretty cool. Um, so there are a number of uh, opportunities to research. We've discussed that. There's a number of outlets now to uh, have your work seen, published and uh, viewed as a poster. Um, and uh, talk to me about uh, some of the poster opportunities coming up. We, we have a, a, a call for abstracts open right now. 
And since this is an NAEMT podcast, I think it's worth mentioning the World Trauma Symposium is coming uh, to Expo. And we all want to see you there for, for a great uh, day of trauma. And the two top research projects in trauma are selected to be presented at uh, the World Trauma Symposium. So our, our deadline for those abstracts is June 30th, 2023. And NAMT supports you with uh, travel as well as entrance into the conference. And we uh, have an award. So we want uh, trauma research for World Trauma Symposium and all research systems or um, uh uh, educational research for uh, Expo in general at the International Scientific EMS Symposium, September 18th through 22nd. This year, New Orleans, uh, hurricanes in one hand, and uh, uh, hopefully that's just a drink and not a real actual wind. But uh, uh, we've been there when it was that way, right? <laughs> and uh, we want we want your research so that we can... Um, we can advance EMS with science. Thank you for uh, talking about uh, what's coming up, Dave. And again, as I said before, everything in the show notes, but uh, talk about research that make you uh, sit up and take note, Dave. Well, uh, every every time I see an article, I wonder, is this really going to be that interesting? I remember uh, the first article I read that said oxygen didn't matter <laughs> after hearing for years that everybody needed oxygen. And so uh, it's always, you know, interesting to look in the crystal ball and say, is this really real? Is this, uh, this going to affect how I do my work? So um, a lot of people like to say, oh, there's no evidence. There's no research in EMS. Actually, uh, there is. And, and one, one beautiful study Dr. Guyette and company did out of Pittsburgh was uh, on chest decompression. Uh, and so I'm big on teaching PhDLS for NAMT and we, we, uh, like to talk about evidence-based practices. Well, it turns out that, um, patients who received chest decompression had attention pneumothorax received ch uh, chest decompression had a 25% decrease in mortality. There's very, there are very few interventions in medicine that would cause you to, you know, have a 25%, uh, mortality decrease. And, uh, and even more uh, upsetting about this study, uh, or more, so that was the great part. The upsetting part is that only 11% of the patients who actually needed it got it. So patients with uh, tension pneumothoraces who arrived in emergency departments, uh, particularly by ALS units who could do it, um, only only 11% got it, which means about 89% uh, were in some way we needed it and, and we, we were either too close, were thinking we were too close to do it. I don't know how you could think that, but maybe you were afraid to do it. Uh, so uh, interesting that some of the life-saving things that we learned that are kind of scary to do, maybe we're not doing. Uh, another interesting, badly done study that, that should never have made it to press and then never have made it to, to, to Congress, to D.C., to try and figure out funding was one where they compared ALS to BLS. And, you know, I, I enjoy bad research as much as good research only to prove that, you know, there's bad scientists out there, too. And that one that one was so badly done, uh, it was published in a 
very prestigious journal, JAMA Internal Medicine. It was comparing ALS and BLS survival from cardiac arrest, and they concluded that BLS was better than ALS. Only they only looked at patients inside the hospital uh, or, or by the billing and, and only Medicare patients and only um, uh, from a billing code that wouldn't have even told them whether they got ALS or BLS in the field. So how could we decide if ALS was better than BLS if we don't even know what intervention they received out there? Even their colleagues at Harvard, uh, the emergency medicine docs wrote an, an op-ed uh, in JAMA saying, this was badly done science, do not use it. So, uh, you know, you got to look at stuff like uh, ischemic uh, conditioning. That's a that's an interesting uh, uh, study that, that shows even just inflating and deflating a blood pressure cuff could reduce the size of a STEMI. And so there's a very specific way to do it. People should read the article and, uh, and look at the science, but uh, very cool stuff that is simple to do. And we tend to just kind of look at complex, you know, whether in, uh, endotracheal tubes versus uh, esophageal obturator airways are going to be, you know, the next thing. But we have some pretty cool, super simple stuff that should be a call to action. Here's another one. Our vent systems during COVID, we learned that the ventilation of the back of the ambulance was so terrible. We just swoosh around the uh, cough aerosolized virus instead of actually vacating it. So we need to re-engineer the way that we remove air from the back of the ambulance. Um, I won't get into the mask issue because it's over. Thank goodness. But um, uh, here's another cutting edge thing. How about drones responding with AEDs and dropping the AED, hopefully not clunking the, for the bystander in the head with the AED? How, how does that actually affect outcomes? And um, there's a lot of issues with flying a drone to a cardiac arrest. Uh, our Singaporean friends are using a credit card that's um, literally a credit card to use as a metronome, CPR card, recording device, and uh, geolocator for the EMS crew. Uh, so improving car uh, outcomes from a bystander point of view, the little piece of tech that uh, fits in your wallet. Uh, these, are, these are just a few of the amazing projects that are just tantalizingly uh, sitting out there waiting for us to go, huh, how could we do our work better? And, um, and certainly, you know, here's a, a good one, uh, recent due to, um, our inequities in care, limited English proficiency patients, LEP patients that uh, don't speak English very well. How could we address their needs better to understand kind of what it is that they need and what are the barriers? So, uh, a group did a project to identify what the barriers are in using, a translation translation service, or what are the barriers just with LEP patients? Um, just a few, and I could keep going. And I, I, I well, I was just going to jump in, jump in to just, just no, I was going to jump in to talk about yeah. the, the the bad research oh, angle of yeah. it because one of, one of the one of the things I love at Eagles, which of course is coming up, is uh, one of our you know sagely Eagles will stand on the stage and talk about uh, you know his top five things that are, you know, we should ignore this year. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, folk like Cory Slovis and Peter Antevi and co. will talk about not only the good research, 
but also what's been presented and why we should ignore it. And I, you kind of touched on that. You know, we use 12 subjects in sub-Saharan Africa on a, something that will never, ever come to America, yet we take it as sagely academic um advice on what to do here so you know talk about when you see a study and obviously we are encouraging everybody to do wholesome academically robust will survive the peer review level of study but sometimes these things slip through the net and so how do you how do you read a study and understand if it's applicable or dare i say good i love it i love it well don't forget the simple stuff like look consider the source and and definitely look at where it was published and whether it was reviewed by a, a group of experts and and consider the context a lot of people like to say you don't need research to prove that uh, you need a parachute right if you jump out of a perfectly good airplane and without a parachute you will die well actually they did that study I, I was going to say, I saw that. Now, of course, it, it didn't say if the plane had to be in the air, did it? Exactly. <laughs> so context matters. If the plane is on the ground, you can jump out without a parachute and live. And it takes people that are experts in the context that that study is being conducted in to say, gosh, I don't think you really compared ALS versus BLS, or I don't know that those patients that you thought were, you know, this were that. So uh, uh, famous, famous projects that looked at response times or uh, time to actually door to needle and, and STEMIs that, that were using EMS charts as their, as their uh, uh, documented times. And we all know that we sat there and, and guessed at the time that we actually uh, wrote well, we arrived on the scene or we started an IV or, you know, I can't, I can't imagine all of the different studies about what should you start the IV on the scene or en route and then taking the time that we actually guessed at the IV to, to make that decision. So context matters, the source matters, the researcher matters, and finally, just the way that they analyze the data. So we need experts like Dr. Crow who she's amazing at saying, was that the right statistical method uh, applied to this particular test? Because you can you can prove that all sorts of things are real, but it doesn't matter. Uh, does it matter in the end that there's this little bit of a difference or not? And uh, again, I would tune in to our, to our journal club because every single time we're trying to assess that uh, article and discuss it and its implications, is an opportunity to learn a little bit more. And the more I, uh, the more I, I, I study this, the more I realize the, the little I know. So I uh, enjoy continually re- being humbled by the lack of knowledge I have and, uh, and how we all should continue to learn. Also, I was looking on in my social media feed this week, and our friend Dr. Brian Bledsoe put up a study. And I'm not sure if this is a real one or not. And I'm not sure if you saw this, but <laughs> no, uh, the effect on shoot time of more senior members of your crew having to urinate <laughs> before they deploy, um, and you know, a, a, a study of paramedics and firefighters who have a minute to get out are late out. Uh, I will drill into that one because, uh, if nothing else, it was a fun read and. Uh, um, but, you know, it, there's all sorts of studies out there. Um, I just want to take a second, Dave, if I can, just to talk to our 
current brand new cohort of the Lighthouse Leadership Project yeah. because in early May we met and uh, you mentioned Bax and Bax is actually very instrumental in mentoring and guiding our cohort of the Lighthouse Leadership Project and uh, I was on the meeting. I'm a, I'm a very proud mentor, and I was excited to see all of the faces in the Hollywood squares uh, to listen to our good friend uh, Chris Avalero giving his uh, sort of Leadership 101 lecture and to Dave Edgar for herding all of us cats. <laughs> but to you guys that are the mentees this year, one of the things I commended that you do was to listen to NAMT Radio. And uh, so hopefully if you've just tuned in and this is your first NAMT Radio episode with none other than Dave Page, please listen to this, but also go back through the back catalogue because we have some amazing NAMT volunteer leaders and some great subjects uh, that you can go back to in the archive. But also coming up, we also have some equally good content. So make sure, remember what I said, hit that little plus sign at the top so you get notified when an episode goes live. So uh, uh, anything you want to say to our Lighthouse Leadership uh, cohort of uh, 2020? What are they going to be? 2024 with Atomic? Absolutely. Well, I would say uh, look towards science not as a fuddy-duddy, uh, horribly complicated and evil thing. Uh, rather, uh, look towards uh, data-driven decisions, evidence-based practices, and encourage uh, those that you lead, right? No matter whether you're leading in a classroom or leading at, a, at, an, in a, at an operations level, that, uh, that you can influence those around you to read and appreciate and perhaps even change their practice based on data and on evidence. That is our future. And those are exceptionally well-researched and ex- Brilliantly wise words, Dave. Thank you very much. So as we close, just give us a quick reminder of the dates of those deadlines and the times we can come and see research. Absolutely. June 16th is the deadline to apply to the next workshop that we've got in September in Austin. June 30th is the deadline to submit new research. Uh, never seen before original research that should be and will be presented at our International Scientific Symposium in New Orleans with EMS World. And of course, uh, we are every Tuesday, every Monday, every every second Monday and every fourth Friday on a journal club at uh, uh, that's recorded and and archived on YouTube, but prehospitalcare.org. Just remember that if that's the only thing you want to remember because it's all there. Great. And finally, we've got all those links recorded now. We've said them a number of times, but how can we follow you, David P.? Well, for sure, uh, follow PCRF at ATUCLA on uh, all of the social media platforms. But if you if you want to email me directly, dpage at emsed.net, and I am on LinkedIn. Great. Well, we'll follow, and uh, we haven't seen or heard the last of you. You are, I thought I was the man about the international EMS town, but you, sir, take the absolute biscuit. And so uh, I'm sure wherever we go, you will pop up. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for having me. Dave Page, thank you very much again. Um, This has been another edition of NEMT Radio. I've been your host, Rob Lawrence. He was David Page. Uh, Look forward to seeing you next time with more important topics and exciting guests. So till next time, bye for now.